Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. If you're like most people, financial matters are not the most comfortable thing to be thinking about. Honestly, almost all of us could do a lot better than we're currently doing. However, your financial health is intimately tied to your personal health, quality of life, and potentially the quality of life for future generations. In this episode, we've brought on Lucas Casares to discuss some of the perspective shifts that you need to go through to take your financial game to the next level. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, uh, I may have COVID. Um, I had one test that came back negative, but I've got symptoms and I feel like I've been hit by a truck. Uh, my throat is pretty sore. I'm really fatigued. I'm having chills, which never happens to me. Like I don't get cold normally. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's a real bummer. I have like no motivation to do anything. My wife was saying the same thing. She's like, it's like having mono. Mm -hmm. So it, I don't know. I had another test today, so we'll see um, what they come out with. I'm guessing your first one was negative. Yeah. Okay. But you know, it may have been too early or. Yeah, it, it can be. That's why they say to quarantine for two weeks um, before getting tested. Yeah. So another news, uh, you know, Beach took food to my mom because she had a positive <laughs> diagnosis and was stuck in the house and wanted some Thai food. And so he actually yeah. took it over there to her. So I really appreciate I did, that. I did not go in. I dropped it off on the porch and texted her that it was there at, right before driving away. So yeah, she texted know. me like right after that. She's like, I'm taking it inside and eating it. So <laughs> yeah, you made her day. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she texted me while I was driving back um, about how excited she was. And uh, she also asked about uh, the box and the cord that I left, which are your new headset. Ah, so gotcha. So how about you, Lucas? Me? Today, actually, my knee is feeling really good, but I think old age is like something that's been bugging me the, the last month. My knee's been acting up. I don't know if it's because of how I've been carrying my kids around the house or certain workout, how I sit when I'm feeding my uh, daughter. She's about six months when I feed her her bottle. But yeah, for the longest time, like I, it hurts going up the stairs, but for the last two days, it's finally feeling good. So I'm going to cross my fingers that I can go back to doing more active stuff without worrying about tweaking my knee again. Is that mm. over the top of the knee or I it's it kind of like sticks like when I go to like I'm moving my leg right now and it's like sticking and popping. I've always had issues. I was really careless as a kid playing sports and just messing around, so I'm sure I'm sure there's decades of issues going on in there. Yeah. Yeah, mine does that occasionally as well and I put it down to old age and not being cautious in my youth. Yeah, we were crossing the street the other day to go into a store, Christmas shopping, and car comes up and they slowed down, but we just we were trying to hurry across the street and I took one step and almost fell to the ground. My knee just like sharp pain mm -hmm. and I hobbled across the road, like moved it around a little bit and it if like popped and stopped hurting, but whew, I think I pinched something when I did that. That was, yeah. So I understand the the knee pain. That's not fun. Yeah, it's a pain because like I keep thinking that, oh, I think it's good. I I always want to like dive back into working out and stuff. And then I just tweak it again. And I was like, all right, another another week of like trying to work around it, not not aggravate it too much. But this this has been the best it's felt in like a month or two. So I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, I I get that about working out. I uh. COVID closed the gym down. And so I didn't get, uh, I went hiking a bit because you can go out in the woods and be away from people, but I just didn't get the, the daily exercise. And the last few weeks, actually the last couple of months, to be honest with you, I've been going in a few days a week, just trying to get the habit back. And I'll just go in and walk. Nothing special, not pushing myself too hard, a little bit, but you know, I go of the hill climber and stuff. I'm just, getting in the habit of going back to the gym so that beginning of the year I can start actually lifting weights and stuff. So, all right. So uh, I do want to say happy birthday to my mother who is probably not listening because I don't think she listens to the show, but uh, 
the day this episode airs is her birthday. So that's that's cool. Happy birthday, mom. I got a bunch of new equipment, y'all. Like, seriously, tons of new stuff. A friend of mine at church works in construction, and he found a bunch of stuff while remodeling this one house, and uh, the owner didn't want it, or the previous owner, I guess, didn't want it. So he brought it, and a couple of the audio geeks went and just you know went hog wild on it. I got uh, four microphones, the auto harp that you guys can see sitting in the chair behind me, a mic preamp, and a 2010 MacBook Pro. Wow, nice! So, yeah, that's really cool. And I'm I'm probably gonna fix up the MacBook Pro. I've already wiped the hard drive. I'm gonna probably put in one of the SSD drives I have, and maybe some more RAM because this was back when you could actually do that with a MacBook. But I'm probably going to fix it up and try to sell it uh, to raise money for my mission trip. I was planning on paying for that myself, but uh, the IRS had other plans for my money. (laughs) I won't go into details, uh, but I will say that I owe some money from my 2018 taxes and just found out about it. I got one of those from 2019 today. Yeah. Uh, But it was $6.15, so I was like... what? Yeah, mine was quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I have to go find my checkbook now. That's the thing that irritates me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you can go online and pay it. Could. Won't. Yeah. But uh, it's just sending that stuff out like the week before Christmas is just, that's just rude. I mean, yeah. Know. Speaking of Christmas, though, in better news, Christmas is just a few days away. Uh, one of my sisters is coming to town tomorrow. Um, the other one is staying home. So. But uh, mom needs some fridge space. Uh, So I had planned to clean out my fridge and deep freeze at lunch today. But then Amanda came over with her dog. So I'll be doing that later. But presents are all wrapped. And I'm excited to see my nephlings opening their gifts. I guess it's all nieces now because uh, my other sister just told us today she's not coming. And I am not going to let the IRS ruin my Christmas. And one one last thing is kind of funny. Will knows about this. It happened a few weeks ago. I received a text from a dating service. Now, Amanda and I have been dating for over a year and a half now, so I don't know if I signed up for it years ago or if someone signed me up as a prank. I didn't. So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Anyway, the text read like a recruiter, like how they text you and stuff. And it's talked about a match and video conferencing. I was like, oh, okay. So I gave my standard reply about really liking my current position, you know, kind of having the golden handcuffs and made a joke about they probably couldn't afford me because of all the benefits. Needless to say, hilarity ensued until we figured out what each other was talking about. <laughs> You should have just rolled with it. Just kept going. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, I, I told him, I'm like, hey, you know, well, what really got it was they kept texting. I was like, well, you know, I'm I'm not looking, but I do have some friends who are looking. If you tell me a little bit more about it, I can, you know, pass on your information to them. And they'll give you a call. And that's when she was like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. Guys, we do not have an advertisement this week because we have Lucas on with us, you know? Um, so we're going to we're gonna talk about uh, financial planning throughout this episode. And uh, I know I added some questions. Will wrote the basis of the outline. I added some just because in all the conversations we've had, there's a lot of stuff that like little pieces I have gotten from Lucas about finances and financial planning that... I kind of want to bring those together. And so we've got some questions to help with that too. If you're working at all, it's almost certainly worthwhile to be thinking about your finances. Not only do your finances determine when you can retire or if, but they also determine where you're going to live, how resilient you are to economic shocks, hello 2020, and can even have a hand in your grandchildren's quality of life long after you're gone. While finances are often considered a taboo subject to discuss in polite company, the fact is that you really need to have your financials in order if you want to have a good life. Yeah, your finances are more complicated than you might initially realize. While something as simple as regularly contributing to your retirement accounts and saving is a good idea, that really isn't sufficient to guarantee a good 
or early even retirement. Financial markets, regulations, and opportunities are always changing. And ideas that worked in the 80s don't necessarily work now. Why the 80s? That's a long time ago. Because that's where a lot of our parents got their information. And the stuff that uh, they tell you yeah. is from the that 80s. And you're like, that that's not how things are. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm like reading what Will wrote and I was like, why the 80s? Further, as you level up your financial game, <laughs> the things that previously worked well for you may no longer be the best choice. Additionally, your risk tolerance is going to change over time, probably by a lot. Your lifestyle is very different as a single person in your 20s living in a one bedroom apartment than it would be, for instance, if you're in your 40s with a couple of kids who are looking to go to college in the next few years. And those things are different again when you're 60 and you're hurtling towards retirement and your kids are out of the house. Your situation could change at any time due to major life events, including marriage, birth of children, job losses, career changes, or simply moving to a more or less expensive neighborhood. Talking about this stuff to a financial advisor is smart, not because you aren't smart, but because there are so many variables that need to be examined in order to get an optimal result. Yeah, like the issues I've had in 2017 and 2018 taxes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like my, I was telling my mom about it and she's like, you do your own taxes, right? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you need to have someone do your taxes for you because she's like, I used to, and it was a lot better when I started doing that. I do that. And I have them take out like an extra 150 to 200 bucks every paycheck mm-hmm. just because the, the cash flow is a bigger issue than the money. Yeah. Yeah. It always hits like, Right after, uh, was it property taxes, Valentine's Day, then my wife's birthday, then income taxes, and yep. yeah, it's just it's like that last punch needs to be softer. So I have to brag on my girlfriend a little bit here. She does not like the concept of Valentine's Day. So instead, this past year we celebrated Cheap Candy Day on the fifteenth of July. Awesome. <laughs> July of February. Good grief. (laughs) 15th of July. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) Wow. I don't even know of any holidays that week. Flag Day is the 14th, isn't it? Maybe. Or is that my grandfather's birthday? No, it's June. June 14th is Flag Day. My grandfather's (laughs) birthday was the 13th of July. So yeah, yeah, that's the holiday. All right. So guys, in this episode... We have Lucas here. He's a fee-only financial advisor and owns Level Up Financial Advising. And if you've listened to any of our recent episodes, you've heard a lot about him and his company. Lucas, before we get into the deeper questions, there's something we ask all of our guests when they come on the show, especially the first time. And that is, what got you interested in what you do? So what got you interested in being a financial advisor? Yeah, so for me, it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do for a career. I was doing community college, working full-time at a community bank. And at the community bank, I just started being exposed to all these cool things, tools that you could use like uh, 401k. Uh, They had an awesome employer stock purchase plan with a huge discount. And obviously being embedded in the financial services right there with, I was seeing all these different ways that people navigated and managed their money with a the checking accounts, savings accounts, credit cards, mortgages, auto loans. So I really just got super interested in all of that going on. That was also too when 2008, 2009 financial crisis hit. And so it was just really interesting time when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Once I figured out what financial planning was, I I immediately figured out that, hey, this is what I want to do for my career. Moved out to, to Colorado where I live now. And took their financial planning program that they had at Colorado State University, all while working at a a First Tech Federal Credit Union. So it's a credit union that serves tech professionals, mainly like Intel, Broadcom, HP. And so that's why I'm in that tech space that I'm in now. Cool. So I guess uh, we might as well get on into the regular set of questions. So what exactly does a financial advisor do for their clients and why would someone need one? Yeah, so I think it's important to to understand not all financial advisors are created equally or the same. So if you've ever heard of people having issues with their financial advisors, most likely it's because that person was a salesman and or saleswoman and they didn't really do anything other than get you set up with a product and they didn't do any actual planning or helping you 
kind of sit down and get a real plan in place, outline goals. And, and usually it's one of the, the bigger things that I need to help my clients figure out as far as like, well, how do we even figure out what your goals are? How do we place these targets and then start making progress? Because otherwise people just decide like, oh, there's nothing really important right now. I can do it later. I can think about it later and push it off. And so I like to distinguish between like a financial advisor and a financial planner because a financial planner is very much more integrated with your life and what you're trying to achieve and kind of like your your wingman. Um, I used to consider myself like a financial Yoda, like I'd sit on someone's shoulder while they're trying to figure this stuff out and I'd make them look like rock stars and, and help them where they need it to keep them leveling up and improving constantly because uh, as you guys mentioned in the intro, there's a lot of stuff that we we know based on, especially engineers, people in tech, like you're all very smart individuals. But at the same time, there's so many things we don't know, we're not exposed to. There's a lot of emotional blind spots and, and different things that kind of sneak up. So financial planning, at least what I enjoy about the financial planning aspect is helping people kind of align their goals in their life with the kind of money tools and 401ks and all that fun stuff that quite honestly is, is constantly changing. There's most likely to be some more tax changes coming up. There's everything going on with COVID, all the different benefits and special strategies that you can implement are always constantly changing. So I really enjoy staying top of mind with those different changes and using kind of cutting edge strategies as well as just basic strategies too to, to make sure that people understand that they're really in control of their financial situation. It's just building a plan and then being actionable with that plan. Yeah. I remember when I was um, working in sales, I was doing business to business stuff with uh, an insurance company. Yeah. Cause you, you come in and you sell to the business and then you have to sell to the individual employees in the business once you get the business on board. And there were a couple of the guys who had been doing it for a long time who not only sold insurance, but they also sold financial plans and stuff. And they like had, they sold a bunch of different things. And yeah, like a lot of times when I hear those terms, I think, oh, you're a, you're a salesperson, you're doing that. And so that's, I like how you distinguish advisor from planner. Yeah, I do too. And I also like how you touched on the, um, the emotional blind spots, uh, because I was kind of confronted with one of mine over the last probably six to eight weeks, really. I don't know. It may have been longer because this year is such a blur, mm -hmm. but I just realized like on a lot of stuff, I've been really cheap <laughs> and like, you know, spending hours and hours to avoid paying 10 bucks for something yep, and just getting it out of the way. And, and like, that's been the thing I've, I've tried to, I've had reminders pop up during the day. I've actually put it on my <laughs> calendar where it's like, are you being, are you being a cheap few, you know, profane words right now? Cause you need to stop. And like, I actually had that as a reminder because it was, it was starting to cost me a lot of money and a lot of time in a, in yeah. a lot of spaces. And, and yeah, so the emotional thing is, is very real because, you know, I, I grew up, you know, listening a lot to my grand grandmother and, you know, her generation that went through the depression. And then my parents were always, you know, fairly frugal. They're not as much now, but <laughs> you know, like having that kind of beat into your head and the whole uh, Dave Ramsey, you know, don't go into any debt for any any reason ever. It's, you know, the worst thing in the world and having to get past that, like that's a real thing that I think a an actual financial advisor probably has to deal with a lot more than I'd ever thought about. Yeah, yeah. and it's pretty crazy because I'd say half my clients are of that nature. Like they're actually good at not spending money. And sometimes it, I kind of consider it my role to be like, hey, look at this plan. Like you guys are going to have more than enough. It's perfectly fine to go buy yourself, whatever it is that the new iPhone or, or something. That's, that's not a conversation I have with the other half of my clients who do have trouble with saving and they do have to, to prioritize and then kind of choose what is going to be the best value for them. But yeah, that it's, it's interesting that a lot of times financial planners, when you think about it, you think that they're going to tell you not to spend money, but it's really to help you have a, a better relationship and a better understanding of how you can use this money to live your best life and not be stuck on some monotonous stuff that, that really deteriorates your quality of life if you don't get over that or don't find a way to kind of get stuck or unstuck. I think it's an engineer mindset too, because I was talking to 
another friend of ours on the phone a week or so ago about stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, as engineers, we, we have this mentality of, oh, well, I can build that. Why would I, why would I pay $10 to use this service when I can build my own service in, you know, 30 or 40 hours? Yeah. And we, cause it, cause part of it is we want to f- solve the problem. We want to figure out how to do it. But part of it is also this, a lot of us like came from, Hey, you know, we've been doing this since we were kids, teenagers. And, you know, when we couldn't afford to pay for a service or something. So we just build our own. And also that's what drove us into the industry we're in. So it's like, that's one of those things. Like I am not as bad as Will at all about being frugal. I am more apt to spend money than to save money. So that's, that's where like, I'm the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll save money by, you know, building it myself. But then I'll, you know, use that money to go out and buy a new guitar amp or something like that. Like I have a long list of things that I want and I'm like, all right, I got to, you know, ration it out and stuff so that I don't just go blow all my money at once. Yeah. Whereas my perspective is, is I was like, you know, if I eat just pickled eggs for breakfast, I can make them myself and make like three weeks worth of lunch for like eight bucks and spend all that time and have all the stomach problems from from that and like that's that's the way I approach things and it's not not necessarily helpful although I do have absolute total awesome chipotle pickled <laughs> eggs now I've got nice. that recipe locked in if I ever need it but <laughs> so since we're talking about spending money financial planning uh, I'm just going to replace the word advising in the outline with planning now so financial planning can be rather expensive we talked a little bit about that, about it's a, it is definitely something that you, you want to think about before you go into it. And you do have different pricing models with level up. Could you explain some of the benefits and why someone would want to pay so much or pay for the service? Yeah. So especially with your finances and kind of catching things early, there's a huge compounding effect that comes into play when you kind of cut through the weeds, you save a lot of time, you can save a lot of of money potentially right away, or you could save, find different tips and tricks to really improve your financial life and your life today and have that compound for the rest of your life, basically. So that's really the thought process and decision-making process that clients that do decide to work with me, they sit down and they're like, hey, I don't know how to figure this out. I don't have the time. I don't enjoy researching this type of stuff. So there's there's a def- definitely a few different ways you can think about it. There's the financial aspects, there's the quality of life aspects, the time savings aspect. But the biggest thing for what level of financial planning is and, and why it's pretty different from most financial advisors that you talk to is I create a level of financial planning specifically to help people as early as they want to be helped, basically. So that's why that monthly kind of breakdown comes into play to to make it affordable, make it attainable and reachable. And they could learn what they need to. And then after a year, be like, oh, awesome. You, You brought me up to where I felt like I needed to be. And then they don't necessarily need that ongoing service all the time. And so there's there's a lot of flexibility to it if you think about it from, hey, let's try to really improve our situation. And if we do that now, it's only going to make our lives better over time. And there's quite a few different ways because I'm comprehensive. We'll dive into your cash flow. So if I can help you find a way to save $20 a month, it might not seem like a lot, especially when you compare it to what my monthly fee would be once you break things down. But you don't have to work with me the rest of your life. If I give you a couple ways to think through these things, get unstuck, kind of like how Will's been banging his head with some of those things and have a better quality of life. These things just tend to add up. You start to have better thought processes for breaking these things down so that you're able to get the most out of life. So it sounds like from that answer that it's not all just about retirement. So it, not at all. No, um, I, you know, I, I just think that's probably important to uh, emphasize here because you know there's there's a lot of big financial goals that most of us have well in advance of retirement. You know, you got a kid that needs to go to college. You 
want to start a business someday and have enough financial runway to actually be able to do that. To want to buy a new truck. Yeah. Yep. Or a house. I mean, early on in your career. Yeah. You, know, you might get a vehicle that the roof doesn't leak, which is kind of my situation right now. Yeah. Although I'm not going anywhere. So it's like, well, whatever. Yeah. I was just thinking about, I have a friend, Will knows him too. He went to med school and he, uh, I mean, his car in college was nice. His parents, his dad's a pharmacist, but uh, he kept that car through med school, through residency, and well into his you know career as a surgeon just because it was a decent car. I think he traded it in when he started having kids because he wanted something to carry them around in. But I've also seen, I remember when I was in med school, uh, the difference between the re- the student loan reimbursements from then from like undergrad to med school was huge because you weren't expected to have a job or anything. You were like completely living on that. And I just remember some of my friends like going, man, I love like when we get our refund because it's a shopping spree. I've like never had this much money. And I'm like, dude, I know I spend money pretty like I was even worse back then. But like, mm. <laughs> yeah, we were roommates. I remember. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't that, that bad, but like, this was just like, you know, like, yeah, you might want to save a little bit of that. Maybe not take out the whole amount, you know, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because you get some, it, some of the smartest people I know when it comes to finances, they're just whoosh. Yeah. Or they're just intimidated or, or, you know, they're, they're focused on what's right in front of them as well. Yeah. You know, with, with starting a business and, you know, having run one for a while, like that, you never have a really good idea unless you spend a lot of time on it, just how long it's going to take you, for instance, mm-hmm. if that's one of your major life goals. And so you you can get kind of boxed in on that. And like you succeeded in the goal to start a business, but a year, two years in, you know, taxes are eating you alive and you have to drop out of it because it's just, you can't keep your head above water. Yeah. yeah runway is a huge, huge aspect. And I don't know, well, you're, businesses that you've been exposed to or been running but for me like it's highly service-based so that i don't have a lot of business expenses but i have to support a family and i have to yep, yep. replace the income i walked away from basically when i started my mm-hmm. company so like that runway is not necessarily for the business the runway is for business partially but mostly my lifestyle and yeah it, it stinks if you don't plan those things out and you have a something that could have been successful if it would have had a little bit more time to be nurtured and and brought to fruition. It took me a good three years, which is where I hit last year, about a year from now, where it's like, this is like sustainable. Like I, I am in a good spot. And before that though, it was like frantic, like, Oh, all right, my income's going up, but is it going to close this gap before we run out of all the savings in that runway we built up? And yeah. That financial planning does incorporate all these different things: student loans, cash flow, insurance, retirement, taxes, all, all the fun stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what got me was you know that I, I wasn't able to jump the gap. I got hit with, I think, fifteen thousand in taxes that I wasn't expecting, and it was like, all right, I'm gonna go call a recruiter. I can't consult anymore. So. Will and I have talked about mistakes we've made or we've seen other people make. What are some mistakes that you see people making when they come in for financial planning? Yeah, so I think you guys kind of mentioned it is not not necessarily thinking further than a month out or yeah. uh, the Dave Ramsey plan, like get out of debt, stay out of debt, all means necessary. But it's kind of taking that next step after that. Like, what do you do when you're debt-free, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to retire uh, because there's still basic living expenses that when you, when you do retire, you lose that income, right? So you have to mm-hmm. think more long-term than just this month. And it's awesome if you don't have that debt, but it's what are those next steps? How do you take those next steps and improve and not just kind of languish around, just resting on, yeah. oh, this feels comfortable. And since I'm comfortable today, I'm not going to try to improve. I'm not going to try to figure out what's next and and how to really take control of over my future. So that that's really the biggest thing is looking only 30 to 60 days out is usually how far most people plan. They don't have an actual plan in place. I like that because that's, yeah, we've got a friend that's like that. <laughs> yeah. Will and I have both seen it because we're both, you know, 
as scatters as I can be and as, I don't know what the word, anti-frugal as I can be, I, I've still like, we're both planners. Like, I might plan to do something at the last minute, but it was still planned to be done at the last minute. Yeah, and it was detailed at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is the other thing. But I mean, we, you and I both have a friend who was making, uh, he left his pay stub on the desk, so we all saw it, um, including the guy that was doing the same work for like 30000 less a year. But I digress. That was not a happy day to be in that office. I wasn't the, the other guy, but uh, the, the guy... <laughs> You know, lives in a very small house and he lives hand to mouth on a six figure income. So like, you know, and I had a financial discussion with him and, and just going, well, like, where's your money going? And we like start breaking it down. And it's like, why are you, why are you buying like lean ground beef? Like the 90, was it 96% not fat? And it's because, you know, he doesn't know how to cook it where it doesn't smoke up the house unless it's lean. Like just turn the heat down and don't, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was stuff like that. And then it was just like major financial things like spending money, buying, buying food for your friends when you go out. And it's like, look, you know, you're, you're in a situation where two or three, four months out of the year, you're eating a canned soup for lunch every day for like the last half of the month because you're broke and you're making six figures a year. And like that's horrifying, but I know you you see that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it happens a lot, and that's why like I have still a lot of fun and can add a ton of value for some people more than others. When it's like, hey, let's just figure out what this stuff means to you. Like, is this stuff valuable? Let's start to prioritize these things, and it starts to become really easy once you once you lay it all out there. Like, hey, this is what it looks like. This is what we're giving up or losing, and yeah starting to, to lay out a plan and understand how these things kind of bleed into other aspects of your life is definitely important. But I've seen people making $300,000 a year, same, same issues. It's yep, yep. if you have spending issues, it, it really follows you until you confront it and kind of figure out hey, what what's going on. Maybe there's some financial literacy that needs to, to be called into play here and, and get focused on. But a lot of times it's just well, let's, let's think through this and not just do things just because they, oh, this is cool. Let's do it. Oh, this, this will be fun or nice or whatever. Let's do it. Like you can do a lot of things, especially in tech, but you can't do all the things if your interest is in everything. Right. Yeah. That's my problem. I want to do everything all the time. And like I run into physical barriers before I run into the financial barriers. Because I've learned ways to do the things I want to do that are not as expensive, but I run into the physics side of that problem, as in there's not enough time in the day to do all the things. (laughs) But yeah, so um, sort of a corollary to this, something I I was thinking about when we were talking, and it relates to some the conversation you and I had uh, the other week um, when Will was having the issues with the heat and stuff and we didn't get to record. What are some things that people should know when they come in for financial planning? Because I know one thing that you and I talked about was getting your spouse or significant other on board. Like before you come in, like bring them with you kind of thing. And that that's what gave me the idea. And then when you guys were talking, I was like, I want to I, I want to bring that up because that's something a lot of people don't think about. But Along those lines, what are some things that people should know before they even start working with a financial planner? Yeah, well, that that is a big one. If you have a significant other and your finances are integrated in any way, like you want to be on the same page because a lot of times, especially once you get married, you're kind of on the hook for a lot of those decisions and, and things that are occurring. And again, a lot of times it's just a matter of getting clear visibility as far as whatever you're doing. Is it actually the right things to be doing are you on track and just having that clarity one of my clients uh, one of my newer clients it's kind of interesting they went to like a marriage counselor when the pandemic first hit so earlier this year and they didn't really get the benefit that they were hoping from that and just so happened they needed financial planning because they have some big decisions coming up they're closer to retirement than probably about half of my clients but yeah, we worked through their financial plan and got organized. One was more of a spender than the other, but 
since we're able to sit down and all talk about what's important to them and start to align their finances with that, they were both extremely happy. And the the spouse was like, we went to a marriage counselor and this is actually like meeting with you has actually been more beneficial for our marriage than, than the actual marriage counselor was, which is just kind of interesting to show you. You guys mentioned at the beginning of the episode that how this impacts your life in so many different ways, your finances, your relationship with finances. And a lot of it just kind of comes down to conversations. People don't take the time to think about these things. And so, yeah, I'd say if you're going to work with a financial planner, the biggest thing is make sure that you're going to make time for it and actually uh, take take advantage of the ability that you have the privilege to kind of pay for this type of guidance and advice because it can truly change things pretty quickly. And a lot of it happens in your mind first, that mindset, the emotional aspects, and then you'll you'll start to see your financial rewards too with your net worth going up and things moving in the right direction. And that gives you that positive feedback. So I think the biggest thing is just take the time. It doesn't take that much time at all. It's just carving out those windows of time of, hey, this is important. You don't necessarily need a financial planner all the time. Sometimes it's just, can you be accountable to yourself or to your significant other? Just take a time an hour a month to talk about the things that are important to you and then start mapping these things out. And if it's one-sided, I think that's really where a lot of spouses have trouble is because one person's the financial person and they just take take control. The other person doesn't get their insight into what's important to them, what their goals are and getting those things properly aired out because they, they don't know anything about the finances. So they just let the financial person uh, the financial dominant one kind of role with those things. So mm-hmm. I think that's important when it comes to significant others, for sure. So what is something somebody could do starting today that would you know, make a huge dent in their financial future? Like what would you just advise in general that people mostly are not looking at? Yeah, so it's not a sexy one by any means. It's like knowing where your money is going. So I know that's probably not a hard thing for you to do, Will, but for most people, they don't know everything's been digitized. So it's like, hey, hit hit by now. It's not the same as it was back in the 80s, right? For our parents and grandparents, when they had to take out their wallet or write a physical check and take that time for things to kind of connect uh, as far as what's going on. And so, yeah, just take the time and, and understand all these things, even if they're not directly correlated. Like you can buy a million different things on Amazon just because you can buy a toy for one of your kids that could also be clothing for your kids. Like all these things that what you commit your money to, it's taken away from other possibilities and other opportunities, even if they're not exactly the same thing. It's not because I buy this toy, I can't buy these other toys. It's because you're buying this it might affect other things like what type of travel you can do, what your situation may look like in the future as far as if if you are laid off, well, people that have saved an emergency fund are less likely to be freaked out or stressed out. And if, if they were to be laid off, then someone that hasn't been doing that because, hey, I make six figures, like I, I make a lot every single month. And I just assume that's going to always be the case. But that isn't always the case. And that's that's one of the, the tricky things is just knowing where the money is going. It gets harder when there is those significant others and then you have children and stuff like that because they might have their own buying uh, opportunities. They might have their own debit cards, their own credit cards. So you really want to take advantage of this at the, the individual level first as early as possible. And once you get that down, it makes it a lot easier as you start to integrate other family members in, and, and it makes it easier too to, to not be a hypocrite saying, Hey, we can't do this. But then all of a sudden you're going out and buying things for yourself or doing things for yourself. So it, it does help lead by example, by just knowing where the dollars are going and understanding like, Hey, is it, it helps you think through that value process. Like, is this going to provide enough value? We do only have so much time that we can allocate towards these things. So Beach mentioned time being the biggest constraint. Sometimes people don't even feel that constraint. They still buy things, even though they know they're not going to use them just because they can, uh, because their their checking allows it to. So that's one big problem is because we are, are so much in that 30-day window thinking like, hey, I can afford this. Just because you can do stuff and money operates and cash flow will operate, that doesn't mean it's the best overall for your kind of lifetime 
goals, all the other goals that you could be doing or saving up for. Because I see a lot of people say, I would really like to be able to go on vacations and travel. Well, there's a lot of decisions that you're making, small, small, like $5, $2 decisions every single day that are really Mm -hmm. the things that are fighting against it. It's not because the money is not there. It's because you're choosing to to spend it on eating out or, or doing some of those things. Yeah. So are you familiar with, I know we've mentioned Dave Ramsey a couple of times already. Are you familiar with the, the every dollar app? I'm, I've heard of it. I haven't looked at it. Yeah. Um, so actually Amanda is the one who told me about it and, um, I started using it and it's nice because you, you budget and it's literally every dollar. Like you, even if you've got like surplus, you have you have to put it somewhere in your budget. Um, and I, I started using it probably a month after we started dating is when she told me about it. I was like, well, I'll give it a try. Why not? And it it did exactly what you were talking about. It helped me realize, oh, my goodness, I'm spending, you know, $100 a month on coffee. Because I go I go to coffee shops all the time. And I was like, wow, I can cut that back and like i just didn't realize because it was a little bit at a time but several days a week doing that you know i would go and take my laptop sit and work at a coffee shop and spend 10 15 while i was there but you do that two or three times a week and it just it adds up um and that that helped me that particular app it's like i have the free version uh the paid version you can tie into your bank accounts but i just use the free version so I put in all my stuff manually, but you know, every week I just usually I turn the TV on. Right now I'm going through Star Trek, so I'm like watching through that, and I'm like I pull it up and I just like reconcile it with what I spent throughout the week, and it helps me know, hey, you know, I'm spending more on groceries than I expected, so I need to put more money there. But what's really nice is you set your budget at the beginning of the month, and uh. I can fo- I can put my focus where I want it. So for me, tithing and giving is a priority. So I I put that in first. And then savings because, you know, when I got into development, I had nothing. Like I was like literally starting with clean slate. Like I I wish my uh my credit score had been higher back then, but you know, clean slate, nothing. Um starting all over again in life and I've I've built up a little bit, you know. It's annoying what I was saying about the uh, the IRS, but I have the money to pay them without affecting my lifestyle at all. It just slows down some things that I want to do, but no, what big lifestyle changes. It's just annoying more than anything else, but uh it's because of that because before I started doing that, I was all right, well I'll go through the month, whatever I have left over at the end of the month, I'll throw into savings. And, you know, my big thing was giving. So like the, the tithing was number one. And then I would spend my money and save whatever I had left with this. It just, it, it helped me a little bit to, to do that. Like not nearly on the level of a financial advisor, because I've had to figure it out all myself, but like, I didn't know if you had that app or something else that you have people work through to help them. Yes. So I actually do things a little bit different. Even people that do have kind of more spending issues than, than others. I always like to do the plan first. So I create the plan to show them like, Hey, this is where you guys are headed. And so if they do have spending issues, it's going to say you have a 0% probability of success. And then we back into well, what amount should you be spending to kind of get us in range? And then that's when we dive into the budget. Like, Hey, clearly there's an issue that we need to figure out then we start tying those numbers to things. And yeah, you mentioned a a huge, huge thing that everyone should do is save first. Obviously, for the people listening, you usually do have the income to kind of have surplus savings if you want to. That's not the case for everyone. If someone's in poverty levels, they're not going to be able to save first. But most people listening to this should be able to, to pay themselves first. And that's exactly why you want to do it because you get to the end of month if you do it where you're going to do it at the end there's nothing left or it's it's totally random like one month it might be a thousand you did really good and then another month it might be like uh fifty dollars because we are i like to say that we're spending ninjas 
because we can get really close to that last dollar that you need in that checking account before your next replenishment from your paycheck. And we're just good at that no matter what's going on. But if you save first and then do that, then it's perfectly fine. You know that you're doing the right thing for the future you and and you're able to to live it up then up to what's available and what's left there. I like how you describe that because you're kind of using your own psychology against yourself in your own favor. <laughs> um, I guess is the best way to to put that because that's, you know, that's kind of what I do with my Chase account. I'll open it up every Sunday and look at all the expenses from the last week and it ticks me off enough to make me cheap. <laughs> you know, even stuff that I know I needed to spend the money on, like I, th- that's kind of what I've arrived at. And so that's, that's a, a good way to do that. You work with a lot of developers who are just starting their career. I mean, what's the most common thing that young professionals misunderstand about money? The the value of doing things early on. So starting it as early as possible. Uh, the lifestyle creep that happens <laughs> that in your career. So I imagine that this happened to you because it's happened to almost every one of my clients. Within just a handful of years, you start at a, a pretty reasonable income still. But then it, you just get huge jumps a lot of times. Sometimes it requires that you leave employers and kind of move around. But hey, you can see like a twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar swing in your income within a year or two of starting. And what happens is if you are not proactively thinking about, hey, what, how does this really add value to my life? How can I, as far as those different expenses that just all add up over time, you'll find ways to spend it and not really be in a better place financially, not be in a better place emotionally or happiness levels. And it's just crazy what happens over time if you're not intentional. So being intentional, understanding that time is on your side if you start early, but you can start building bad habits too. And it's really hard to break bad habits. I had someone that wanted to work with me, it was about two weeks ago, I think. And unfortunately, they're they're starting over uh, because of everything that's going on in the world with COVID and stuff. But Quite honestly, they didn't save enough prior to that either. They want to retire in five years. And it's just not necessarily something that they put themselves in position to do. And, and they're older. And so that's that's why Level Up exists, though. So I can help people as early as they need it to develop those good habits and let those things compound over time. Yeah, I can honestly say when uh, when I was going through rougher times and like just for for the longest time when i when i would get down my shopping therapy i forget there's a funny term for it but it's not coming to mind but um you guys know what i'm talking about self care yeah yeah like just the yeah. the um i would go out i would go to gamestop or something and you know buy some video games or something video games that i would never end up actually playing i'd play for like an hour or two and like never touch again I guess if that happened again, I would probably go out and buy musical equipment because, you know, that's my, my new thing. But that's your uh, new one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say new. I mean, I've been doing it for two years now um, and kind of really getting into it. But yeah. So, uh, though, I mean, I get that. My sister does that too. My youngest sister, when she's stressed out, that is her, that's her way of relaxing is to go spend money and buy things. And, you know, it's it's come back to haunt her a few times in her life. Yeah, well, and it only takes a, a few strings of that, right? And the tricky thing about it, when you're stressed out, you'll definitely spend money, and that's something that people do. But also, when you're celebrating, when fun stuff happens, oh, just got a raise, just got a bonus. Let's yeah, find ways that we can spend this. And so, yeah, like it happens on every every different aspect of your emotional <laughs> life unless you just have a, a more ingrained understanding of like, Hey, does, is this going to add value and, and kind of run it through some type of process, some type of way of thinking. So it's not like see by see by without running it through like, Hey, like how does this compare to all these other things? Like, like vacation, like saving for college. Most people are not going to be able to save for college for their kids because quite honestly, it's going to be super expensive. Like for our daughter that was just born, we had to save like $470 a month. She's our third kid. Like if we were doing that for all of our kids, we wouldn't have the same type of lifestyle we have now. And so that doesn't mean we can't do anything. It just means if we're, if we want to, we need to start smaller and we need to understand that these different things, we can't be going on crazy vacations if we want to make college a priority for 
paying for it for our children so they don't have to. And there's no right or wrong towards goals or what should be important, what shouldn't be important. It's just having the understanding like this is a finite amount of stuff. Yes, you can keep earning it. But at the same time, like once you spend it on something, it can't be spent on other things. So just be be intentional and be aware that these things all play off of each other. Yeah. And guys, I don't know if you're you're paying attention to this, but everything that Lucas just said is stuff that we've told you about other areas, like especially about time management and things like that. When you were talking, it reminded me of a friend that we have, we've mentioned on here several times once in this episode, who asked us about like, how do you guys have the time to do all the stuff you do? Because like running a meetup group, the podcast, all the stuff. And we we asked him, we're like, well, what what's your daily routine like? And it was, you know, get home from work, watch TV, eat dinner, watch TV with the kids, put them to bed, watch TV with the wife, and then go to bed. And it's like, you know, there's your problem. Your priority is watching TV. It's not that you don't have the time. It's that your priority is watching television. And you're not paying attention to what it's costing you. Yeah. And and that's the thing. And like what what you were getting at is like diff- people have different priorities and that's fine. Personally, I don't want kids and you know neither does my girlfriend and so that's good. Other people want them. My sisters did. I have a friend who in high school her goal in life was to have a family and build that up. She was the first one married. She was the first one to have kids. Her kid just had a baby. I'm not trying to age myself here. You know, they're they were young when they had their kids, so you know, but because we are definitely not the age to be grandparents, but she's she's okay. You are. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you're younger than me. Yeah. No. no. Actually, this particular friend is is the same age as you. Ah. So um she was just they moved and so she got held held back a year because it's just fun to give you a hard time about it because when you see that it's it's painful. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things. It's like that was that was her priority in life. That was definitely yeah. not my priority at any point in life. So, uh, and I know, like, you know, will you have a kid? And that's you know, she's obviously important to you, and and all that. But it's just like, you know, for me, eh, not one of my priorities, and that's okay. So my financial stuff will be different, you know. Right now, my priority financially is paying off my student loans, which you know I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and saving up to I I want to buy a house, I want to buy a truck, that kind of stuff. And so, like that's where where my financial goals are. Will, on the other hand, has a house, has a kid, he has other financial goals. We're like what a year and a few months apart in age, and yeah. we have very different goals financially, and that's okay. And I think that's that's kind of what you're getting at with that is is that's okay. Talking about that because like we're I'm early on in a development career, but I'm mid life career kind of thing. Will's mid mid career, late in a development career. <laughs> in some respects, you mentioned talking with people who are a few years away from retirement. Yeah, you know, I'm working with a guy who is a few years away now, uh, and so like hearing what he's talking about because we you know. He's a talker too, so we talk about stuff. Hearing what's important to him, I'm like, that makes sense for where you are in life. But how, from like a financial planning standpoint, how is that mid-career finances? We talked about early career, like new developers coming right out of college. Suddenly you're going from, hey, I'm making 40000 in my first job. Now I'm making 60000 in my second job. A few years later, I'm making eighty or 100000 Like you're like, rapidly increasing whereas you you hit kind of a a plateau towards your mid-level and you're like all right you might go up and down a little bit but you're you're pretty solid there how is that different from your early career and what are some of the mistakes that a mid-career professional might make with their finances yeah so mid-career i think (laughs) that's i think what you just explained is really the issue right you do plateau but you're for the previous five years, seven years, your income was constantly jumping pretty drastically. Mm -hmm. And so you're used to upgrading your lifestyle a lot of times in those situations. So like what happens when every every year you were used to getting big races and all of a sudden they're just not coming anymore because you're kind of hitting that that roof. And 
yeah, if you spending still kind of creeps up at the same increments that it was when you were actually getting the raises and bonuses, that's going to be a problem financially. Uh, that's that's really the biggest risk I would say, and and just the risk with anyone in tech with the the high high incomes and things like that. If you're living up to that ceiling, and all of a sudden the pandemic hits, that, that's going to be a problem. Uh, then getting focused on the goals because a lot of times if if you're playing catch up, that's that's really going to be an issue and prioritization at that point. Luckily, you're in a career where you should have a lot of fluff <laughs> as far as what you're spending there uh, at that point. And so it's not easy. I, I, it makes it seem like it's easy to just, oh, yeah, we just take this fluff out and save a whole bunch. It does require emotional. And uh, if you have significant others and family, like having to explain it, like, hey, we're having to make these adjustments because we, we really don't want to have to work till we're 70 or 80 because in tech, that's not usually even allowed. A lot of times you'll be given packages and say, hey, here, here's the door. You're you're 60, you're, you're really at the highest level of our pay. And I, I think that's a, what a lot of people start to figure out once they're kind of mid-career is, yeah, the, a lot of these older people are being escorted out the door and then they're having a hard time finding their way back in. So you can't necessarily assume you can work forever unless you're going to freelance and and do a little bit more flexible things that route. So yeah, that's that's really where a lot of people will start deciding to begin to focus on retirement and those types of financial decisions. But the problem is some don't still, right? Then they just like, oh no, I'll I'll probably be able to figure out when I'm in my late fifties or uh, early sixties and, and be able to catch up at that point. So that, it really is a pivotal time kind of mid-career to be like, all right, that we've gotten used to where our finances are. Maybe children are about to head out the door, uh, go to college, or maybe they're kind of more on their own, um, not spending as much on like vacations and things like that. Daycare. <laughs> yeah, daycare, daycare <laughs> for sure. That's like a yeah. mortgage usually for most most localities. So yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just understanding your money only, you can only increase your salary so far sometimes. And mm-hmm. your lifestyle sometimes if you're used to it, or if that's been in a emotional thing where it feels better to be able to increase your lifestyle every year or two. You just can't do it the same uh, at that level and be able to, to be offset and absorbed by a rise in salary. Yeah. That's something I've noticed. I've, you know, kind of hit the ceiling on what I can make. And it really probably since 2013, 2014, is you know I've I've hit the ceiling and I've gotten above it a little bit, but you know like there's it's definitely there. Um, I think I could probably jump up quite a bit now. Uh, one of the things I've seen a lot of folks do as well is they get comfortable in the job. You know they're keeping money back, but they're not they're not actively thinking about it. They're just kind of you know coasting essentially. And I've seen people do that well into their late fifties, and inflation nails them because they stayed at a job <laughs> that that had like a 2% pay increase every year, you know, during the 2000 to, you know, 2020 timeframe. And, you know, like that's so much less than what your actual inflation is. And so their, their pay was getting cut every year and they weren't noticing. Yeah. I, I have seen that with, yeah, like even in my short time in development, what, like five years now, I I've seen that. And I have seen people who, got promoted not because they were the best person for the job or even qualified for it but because they were going to leave for that very reason um and they knew the older systems so they got promoted to because that was the only way they could get they could like through the process company processes give them the raise basically was to promote them and they sometimes i wonder if that's how you know the that phrase like yeah, you float up to you to incompetence. I think that's like sometimes how that happens. Is oh, like the Peter really principle. good? Yeah, you you're you're really good at this level, but we can't pay you anymore at this level, so we're going to move you up here, and Where you can't do any more damage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where we can keep you around for dealing with the things at that level, but you're not going to leave and put us in a bad position. So, speaking of bad positions, do we want to talk a little bit about old school financial advice? That doesn't work anymore. Yeah, we've kind of hit on it some talking about the eighties stuff there. So yeah, let's yeah. let's do that. I, I just I just want to like beat that to death real quick if we can. Yeah. 
So yeah, Lucas, what's uh, what's some old school advice that just doesn't work well? Yeah, so I, yeah, we've hit on a couple of them, but one of them is just like, hey, make sure your bills are paid, do your budget, but without the savings aspect. It's the, kind of the old school, like, hey, make sure you pay all your bills, and if you pay all your bills, you're going to be golden. Uh, that's not the case. Uh, Will's mentioned inflation. That's one thing that catches a lot of people by surprise when they're not planning ahead, because you think a million dollars is a lot now, but when you, when I'm going to retire in like 30 years, things are going to be double. So a million dollars is only going to be about $500,000 of what I know it today. So that that's definitely a big one is you do need to save, you need to invest. And those were things that our parents and grandparents, unless they were kind of the upper, upper class, probably didn't have access to invest in, where now everyone has access to invest in with Robinhood, all these different online apps. So I think investing is a huge one that was never taught. And then the debt. So avoiding debt. Yes, it makes sense for a, a lot of situations, but having having a, a house is usually a reasonable reason to have a debt in the form of a mortgage because the, the interest is so low, you're buying an appreciating asset. And so you still want to make sure you can afford it monthly. Banks and institutions are going to give you a lot more than what you should probably accept in terms of a, a loan and a loan payment. But yeah, that's one thing that sometimes you'll you'll run into an old, elder person and and yeah maybe they hit a different situation but yeah you definitely shouldn't have to worry too much about taking on a mortgage as long as you can afford it comfortably on a monthly basis. Well, yeah, because you got to have a place to live, and you know one of the other ones I've noticed too that uh, you know because I've gotten a lot of advice from people that got their advice in the eighties. It's like oh don't you know the the not borrowing money thing. Well, like not borrowing money to start a business that like, or if you've got a business going and it's profitable and you've worked all the numbers and you know you can double your profits with an injection of cash if you handle it right now, they'll tell you, oh, don't do that. You know, like being unable to use debt as leverage versus debt as just buying stuff, like that dichotomy doesn't seem like the folks that got their financial advice in the 80s, they really grasp that. And what worked then doesn't work now, too. Yeah. Like, you can't put the money in, you know, like, the the idea of putting it in your checking account or your savings account and just squirreling away that money until it grows to where you can actually use it, that's not a thing. No, yeah. 0.05% interest is what you'll get out of a savings account. Yeah. Another thing in terms of credit is, yeah, credit cards are bad. Credit cards are an amazing tool. They're one of my favorite tools if you have self-control. Because of the the rewards, the sign up bonuses, the cashback, that's all oh, yeah. free money. If you yeah, pay it back. I'm doing that. <laughs> I it it took me. I'll be honest with you guys. I I had issues with credit cards when I was younger, and it it took me maturing, um, yeah. and going through all the crap I went through with with med school and and the divorce and everything to get to the point where I could actually effectively use it. But I was actually telling Amanda the other day, her brother lives out in Arizona. And I was like, hey, with my rewards, because I have a Southwest card, I'm like, with my Southwest rewards, I can get us a flight out there and back for the two of us. And all we have to do is pay taxes on it. Yeah. Um, and I'll still have points left over. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's because- I, I use it to pay bills, to go shopping, do stuff like that, and pay it off at the end of the month. Same here. Yeah. And that's like, I, I have matured and learned because before I wouldn't like when I was in school, I was yeah. not very good about like <laughs> college and grad school. I was not very good about it. I will be honest with you. I learned the hard way as I learned so many things like but, Columbia uh, House Records. Remember them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you get the right. bill. so Lucas is we're, we're kind of towards the end. We've actually gone a little bit over. Is there anything else that you would like to discuss before we close this out? Yeah, I think. Just one quick thing that I think you guys actually touched on in your guys's money episode that you did earlier in the year, but the analysis paralysis issue is super common with techies and and people in tech and engineers because it's like, hey, I, I want to save the very last penny or whatever, kind of like to Will's point. And so, yeah, sometimes the, it's not worth the time or you just get stuck and you're not able to take action, even though action is the best thing even if it's not the most precision type uh, decision. Uh, so I, th- I think that's important is we always run into issues 
and just have something in place to kind of recognize like, hey, I'm just churning milk right now or turning uh, turning uh, milk into butter and not actually making progress. I'm wasting a lot of time. I'm wasting a lot of energy and emotion on this topic. Like, how do you get unstuck? Like, you have to figure out how to catch those things because I... I don't do that so much on the financial aspect, but for like, as a business owner, there's a lot of things I used Mm -hmm. to do. And now I've finally found ways to kind of like break that cycle and inject new information or uh, just go, go pay for something or inject some type of resource or expert to, to make things move along and start making progress because these things compound uh, whatever it is, any, any decision, any major improvement to your life will compound for you. So guys, your finances are not going to be simple, but there are some reasonable things that you can do right now that will drastically improve your long-term financial situation while making you more resilient to whatever craziness is going on in the market at the moment. Best of all, once you get a solid financial advisor helping you with your decisions, a lot of the anxiety around finances that we often feel can be alleviated. That pretty much wraps us up. Beach, what do you have for us for Tricks of the Trade? So before I get started, just a big shout out. Thank you to Lucas. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with uh, with us and all of our listeners. Um, I know Will and I have learned a lot from this, and I'm sure our listeners have too. So guys, just like having a financial plan is very important, it's important to plan out your code. You know, This becomes more important with larger applications or when you're working with a team. However, just like starting your financial plan young will help you when you're older, planning out even your simpler applications will set you up for doing so on larger scales. It also gives you a place to kind of make mistakes because like, if you make a mistake early on, you can correct for it. If you make a mistake in your plan with a smaller application that is less important, you can fix that and learn from it. And it's less detrimental, so it allows you to apply those lessons to your larger applications. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.